You're listening to the Sill Podcast Perspectives on Art and Technology with Peter Noche and Harry Posner. Episode 44 Welcome to Slumberland. To dream or not to dream? I've just closed my eyes again. Climbed aboard the dream weaver train. Trying to take away my worries of today. And leave tomorrow. Perchance to dream, you may or may not know, The Twilight Zone, back in the 50s, as you recall. Yep, I remember watching that series. There was an episode actually called Perchance to Dream in the American television anthology series, The Twilight Zone, originally aired on November 27, 1959 on CBS. Very good sound effects. Could I have a little more of that? Carry on. Short story that inspired it was taken from Hamlet's To Be or Not To Be. Cool. Well, it was even cooler with your sound effects. <laughs> well, Rod Serling was a genius, as we know, mm-hmm. and he wrote a lot of the episodes, and they're very dreamlike, these Twilight Zone episodes. It's a brilliant series. I watched every single one at least once or more. Yeah, I recall watching two, but we were quite young at the time. Yeah, uh, there was another show called The Outer Limits, oh, yeah. also very dreamlike around the same dreamlike. time. Mm-hmm. Um, we're suckers, us eaters of culture, for stuff that's dreamlike and out there. Ethereal. Look at the young folks now mm-hmm. and all of the wild uh, speculative fiction they read, filled with gods and dragons and all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very dreamlike. Well, especially with technology nowadays, you can do so much more in that way in terms of making things visible. Yeah, CGI and all that has mm-hmm. changed filmmaking so that you could do dream sequences and make them look really quite real in a way. Mm-hmm. We've kind of clouded over that line between reality and uh, fantasy. Yeah. Well, that's a whole other episode mm-hmm. there in terms of where our consciousness has gotten to with all well, of this stuff. But dreams are a form of fantasy. Yeah, and, and you should understand, as a poet, dreams are very poetic. Well, as a writer in general, mm-hmm. yeah, dreams are poetic. Dreams actually have flushed out stories for me that I have actually written almost exactly as they were in the dream. Mm-hmm. And they've appeared in some of my books. So I think a lot of writers pay attention to their dreams. It throws out very interesting juxtapositions. Well, it gives you license to do things that you might not do in your real life, whether it's voluntary or not. It comes into your head. And uh, when you're dreaming, you don't have any obstacles because Mm -hmm. it's just you and your inner self. Yeah, freedom. There's a freedom there to be had. Artists forever have taken advantage of that and written books like Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, for Mm -hmm. example, Through the Looking Glass, Wuthering Heights, A Christmas Carol, is a famous one yes. where Scrooge meets all his ghosts of the past and present and future. Very dreamlike. And it makes for great stories. Also you know? makes for great segues. How so? You know, when you're transitioning in film from dreamlike sequences, it makes for very interesting segues into the real world because you can open with things that you wouldn't necessarily recognize right away and then transition. Yeah. Uh, So there's a connection there that most people can relate to. In fact, that's a technique that a lot of filmmakers use, Mm -hmm. where you see this strange scene and you think it's real, and suddenly the guy's in bed or the woman's in bed, and they wake up, and -hmm. you realize, oh, they were dreaming that. Right. And now you're in the so-called real world, which echoes 
how we wake up in the morning. Think about it artistically. By going into a dreamlike sequence, you can really open up the creative doors, right? Because you can do things that you wouldn't be kind of limited in the real world. Yeah, and echoes of that dream end up as being part of the story itself. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't just put a, a random dream. It would have to have some connection to what's going on in that character's life. Right. So, yeah, it's fertile ground for storytelling, for imaginative thinking and creating of new ideas. Was it Omar Khayyam that the Rubaiyat of Omar Khayyam came to the poet in a dream fully formed and he just woke up and wrote it? You know, these kinds of things happen. You said it happened to you too, didn't you, Harry? Well, uh, I had what's called a precognitive dream. And it's a dream that kind of predicts the future, where something you dream about something and then it happens. Ah. So in my case, I was working for a childcare organization at the time, taking care of emotionally disturbed children. And they would go home on the weekends and come back to this facility through the week. So one night I had this dream on a Sunday night, and I dreamt that one of the kids came back from visiting his parents, and he had brought a rodent in a cage, like a rat or a mouse or something, and that during the course of the dream, the rodent got loose from the cage and ended up in the furniture, in the couch or something, underneath the couch. Mm. And someone said, put some cheese on there, and it'll lure the thing out, and you can get it back in the cage. So in the dream, I do that. I put some cheese on the couch. It lures the rodent out. I reach down to grab the rodent, and it bites me in the dream. And I drop it. Okay? Boom. I wake up. I go to work the next day. One of the kids comes back from his visit with his parents with a rodent in a cage. Mm -hmm. And that rodent gets out during the day. Now, I don't think it bit me. But that's very, very close to the dream. And you couldn't predict that in the normal course of events, Mm -hmm. right? It's amazing what develops when we're sleeping. Mm -hmm. And there Mm. are different theories on this in terms of the circumstances, the the situations and so on. But there are five basic reasons apparently why we dream. And Uh one of them is we dream to practice responses to threatening situations. Mm -hmm. Interesting, eh? So playing out scenarios where we visualize what we might do in a self-defense in, in a serious situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, almost yeah. like uh, athletes visualize before running a race or exactly. before a particular event. So you're yep. doing this in your sleep mm-hmm. because in your sleep the information is uncluttered. Yeah, the fight or flight happens often in dreams. We're often in situations where someone's chasing us or mm-hmm. we're falling. Yep. and we're kind of responding to those situations. Being chased by zombies, whatever. Exactly. Uh, One of the other things that occurs is the so-called development of wisdom in dreams. One would say, so how do you do that? Again, it's the uncluttering. Mm -hmm. You have a lot of information that hits you all day long, bombarded with information, with images. But in your sleep, you kind of cut through a lot of that. So you take out the principal areas that were happening to you during the day or in your real world, and then your brain is processing the key elements of those occurrences Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then piecing them together. So in a way, you're filtering and you're the wiser for it because you're now able to understand what was actually happening. Hmm, Cool. What's the third one? The third one is kind of an extension of the wisdom basis. They compare it to defragmenting your hard drive on your computer. 
uh-huh. which again is a sorting of information on a computer. Every once in a while, you defrag your hard drive because bits and pieces of information are all over the place. So you dump some things, and then the things that are left, you organize in you certain organize, ways. You organize the information and so yeah. that it's clearer mm-hmm. and faster and easier to process through unnecessary information. And what's beautiful about that is what the brain seems to do in dreams is it takes certain packets of information that otherwise you'd think of as very distinct and different and unrelated Mm -hmm. and pull them together into an image where they're both together in the same image and you go, wow, what a juxtaposition. And they would never have thought of putting those two things together, which is why a lot of inventions get invented out of dreams as well. Yes. The nice thing about it is it's not relegated to a single day event. It could be years, months between events, and right. it still collects those necessary pieces. Yeah. Point number four, another reason why we dream, is it's a form of psychotherapy. Think about Freud. Freud would have suggested that our dreams are basically wish fulfillments or products of the unconscious, mm. where we're not admitting to ourselves that this is what we desire or want to do or be. It's also a way of getting rid of repression. Because in your dreams, from a psychotherapy standpoint, it's almost like being with an unbiased person that you can open up to. So You can express yourself freely in a dream. Exactly. The worst that can happen is a zombie might chase you through a tunnel. (laughs) But but when you remove the repression, then you can deal with the actual things that may be inhibiting you. And that's the basis of psychoanalysis anyways, is to allow you to go into that place, which is like a dream place, aspects of the unconscious surface, so you can look at them and resolve any conflicts that are there from your youth, let's say your childhood, Mm -hmm. right? It's the safety of it, though, that really propels that. Right. Because you're within yourself. And, you know, maybe that's one reason why a lot of psychoanalysts back in the day, maybe not so much now, had you lying prone. It's like you're sleeping. It's in this Mm. half-dream state, right? Mm. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. cool. And then what was number five? You have a fifth one? Number five is kind of the antithesis of everything I've just said, which is you can explain everything away. It's just a, a bunch of non-connected events that yeah. your brain randomly chooses mm-hmm. and puts together. So it's No meaning to it specifically, nothing yeah. really. It's this just random cleaning up of the extra brain detritus through mm-hmm. the night, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. People are entitled to their wrong opinions <laughs> about these things. So I take it you disagree with I them. disagree, yeah, very much so. Right. Yeah, I give more credit to the unconscious and to our dream life than these people that you mentioned just because of experience with it. It's the same old argument is that there's no scientific proof. Yeah, and I would argue that there's lots of scientific studies that have Mm -hmm. happened on sleep and dreaming that show correlations between brain uh, patterns and certain kinds of dream Mm -hmm. landscapes, et cetera, et cetera. There is dream and sleep research out there going on as we speak. Lots of it. Uh, It's just not talked about as much as mainstream science is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So kind of makes sense if you think about it, that we spend a third of our life sleeping. Yeah, Uh, that's right. You would have to recognize some value there. It's incredible Uh, when you think about it. A third of our lives mm -hmm. are spent kind of off-planet. On average. In these nether regions of our subconscious and unconscious that we float around in eight hours or so a night. It's like incredible. Box, box. So, what's your story? We don't know who we are. We don't know where we are. Each of us woke up one moment. Here we were in the darkness. How could that happen? That's the question we asked ourselves. Mom, 
Is that Mom? Who are you? What do you want? Who is it? But you're both here. How can you be here? What do you want, young man? Mom, don't you know me? I'm Martin! Martin? Must be a lunatic or something. You mustn't be frightened. I grew up here, Mom. Don't you know your own son? Three days and three nights. Stop for food and then drive. Stop for food and then drive. Stop for food. And the routine goes on. Towns go by without names. Landscapes without form. Now it isn't even a trip. It's flight. Rowdy isn't a highway anymore. It's an escape route. So I keep going. Conscious of only one thing. I've got to get where I'm going and I can't let that hitchhiker close in on me. Box, box. I used to do an exercise that I would imagine as I walked through my daily routine mm-hmm. that this was a dream I was having and to kind of be awake inside of it because you can train yourself to wake up inside your dreams. It's called lucid dreaming. Yes. And I used to do that. Ah. I would do that exercise and then when I went to bed at night, I'd, I'd say to myself, when I have my dream, I'm going to wake up inside the dream and realize it's a dream. I'm going to be awake inside of it and it worked numbers of times mm-hmm. where I would go, this is a dream, and I'm awake inside of it. Wouldn't last that long, necessarily, but I could do it. And I know what you're saying is true, because I've spoken to a couple of people, one in particular, that it's just amazing to me what they retain. And the dreams are vivid, and they can describe everything. So I agree that it's possible, because I've heard it. And yet, mm. I think that sometimes, consciously or unconsciously, we tend to subdue some of it, perhaps, because it's too difficult to deal with. or Also, the brain forgets it fairly quickly once you mm-hmm. wake up, which is why they say have a dream journal by your bed, etc. Speaking of science, scientists have deprived sleepers of their dream sleep, which happens when this rapid eye movement, this REM, REM. periods, three to five times a night. And they've deprived people in these experiments of their dream sleep. And it's deleterious to one's life to not have dreaming. You mm-hmm. get more anxious. You get, you're tired more often. You just don't feel right in many ways. So you need your dream sleep, as it turns out. And it's interesting that you say that about the fatigue and so on, because there's also a correlation between depression and insomnia. Mm-hmm, sure. Including things like sleep apnea, where your breathing is affected, where your breathing is kind of cut off and you have to wake up to take a breath. So it interrupts your sleep. You have things like leg cramping. I I get leg cramps at night from lack of salt or overuse of certain muscles, that sort Mm -hmm. of thing. Insomnia, as you said, restless legs syndrome. Mm -hmm. You're slashing around in bed with your legs. Narcolepsy, which is a person falling asleep suddenly. You could be wide awake and then suddenly you're just sleeping and you fall over. And speaking of that, a little bit of a sidetrack, which is interesting to me, because I think you were mentioning to me the other day that uh, 15% of the population sleepwalks. Yeah, upwards of 15% sleepwalk. like one in seven people. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, many of them may be minor sleepwalking. Maybe they get up and go into the bathroom and go back to bed or something. But some major ones... I've heard of stories of people leaving their homes and going into other buildings. Yeah, and in fact, there is a condition, I think it's called parasomnia, where people have stabbed each other in bed 
unconsciously in their sleep, wow. murdered their spouse or whoever. Don't tell our spouses that. <laughs> they go to bed, right? Well, I've actually been threatened in real life. <laughs> uh, then there's conditions like uh, dysania, D-Y-S-A-N-I-A, huh? which is a condition where you find it extremely difficult to get out of bed in the morning. Mm. People with chronic fatigue syndrome, for example, have that condition. Lazy people like myself uh-huh. have that condition. <laughs> See what condition your condition was in. <laughs> exactly. I'm too tired to see that because I'm in bed. <laughs> Call me later and I'll see my condition. So there's all these issues with sleeping that people have that can affect their dream life, for example. And in general, when you don't get a good night's sleep, you just don't feel right. Mm-hmm. Now, there are exceptions, of course. There are these geniuses and other people who I'm told sleep four hours and then are awake for four and then sleep for four and have these different rhythms and routines. Edison was one of those. I think, yeah. I was trying to think who was, but Edison, yes, among others. These quick naps. Yeah, and they find that they could function quite well and think very mm-hmm. clearly and adeptly. So people are different. There are exceptions to every rule. But in general, we tend to need our seven or eight hours of sleep or we're not in good shape. Mm -hmm. And consequently, what happens with couples sometimes is that they agree to sleep in separate beds. One in four, apparently, in the UK anyway, one in four couples are sleeping in separate beds. Mm. Often because... They can't get a decent sleep. Yeah. One spouse or the other is snoring or they have restless legs, or they fall over on you, roll over on you in their sleep. And then the decision is, I need to get good night's sleep. Let's sleep in separate beds, Mm -hmm. whatever. So that's interesting to know. I don't think a lot of people would even be aware of that sort of statistic. Well, I was aware of it, but I didn't think it was that high. Yeah. I can see the logic of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I haven't practiced it myself, but you never know at some point. Yeah. And the other interesting thing is that us humans, we're the only mammals that willingly delay going to sleep. Oh, there's a hockey game on, I have to stay up for it. Mm-hmm. Well beyond the point where your body is saying, go to sleep. Every other mammal on the planet, when they get to the point where it's time for them to sleep, they find a spot yep. and they go to sleep. Right. That's about the circadian rhythms, which yeah. we've completely disrupted in our modern world. Post-industrial revolution with the advent of lights. Yes. We used to run everything according to sunlight and moonlight. Now uh, we have artificial lights in cities. We have Now we have on top of that, we've got all this blue screen problem from smartphones and computers mm-hmm. and TVs. A lot of people are having trouble sleeping because they are still looking at their smartphones, iPads and TVs seconds literally before they're going to bed. Yeah. Instead of giving themselves that hour or whatever where they're free of all that. And then consequently they have insomnia or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you think even in the countryside, it will be really quiet and dark and you can just sleep. But we open our windows and we can hear the peeper frogs peeping in in the wetlands around us. And that's loud. Despite having 25 acres around you. Totally. Because it carries across distances in the countryside. And then you've got coyotes howling in the back fields, uh, frogs from the pond are doing their thing, they're mating, Mm -hmm. (laughs) whatever they do at night. But don't you Uh, find, despite the obvious sounds, that those are sounds that are very natural and less intrusive than car horns and machines? They are, if you get used to them. It's almost like being by the ocean. I don't know if you've ever been by the ocean, Mm -hmm. but it's great to sleep too. Yeah, that rhythmic thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And routine exercise, having kind of a discipline schedule of sorts. I don't mean to the second, but you're getting up at more or less the same time. You're not going to bed too late. Mm-hmm. You're eating properly. And a day of actual physical activity goes a long way 
to solving a lot of minor sleep problems. And then stress, a huge problem where you get that mind rolling and you can't stop it or you're having difficulty stopping that process. Yeah, which is why I think a lot of people also, like me too, read before bed. It kind of calms you down. It centers you. And it tires you. You kind of relax into the book. You get tired out as you read. kind of tires you a bit, right? And as long as what you're reading isn't too disturbing, let's say, Mm -hmm. in the content, you close your book and it's time to go to bed. The other things people often don't think enough about are the kinds of pillows they sleep on, Mm -hmm. whether it's foam or feathers, how hard or soft the pillows are, where your head is angled, how your neck is sitting on the pillow, Mm -hmm. the type of mattress. All of it makes a difference. Also, all the excessive medication that people now employ. Yeah. That alcohol, for example, I had a a glass of a delicious cream liqueur the other night before bed, Mm -hmm. and it wreaked havoc with my stomach and with my sleep pattern. It was not a good choice, frankly. (laughs) Yeah, although I wouldn't know whether it affects everybody the same way. I think some people are more sensitive to certain things than others. And I think that's also goes with whatever else is happening, because Mm -hmm. i.e., maybe that shot of whiskey or that little nip of whatever would be fine if the rest of your life was okay. If you were relaxed and weren't stressed by other things and weren't having any arguments or going to sleep in a peaceful mode, Mm -hmm. I often think that some things get misconstrued because they're mixed in with a lot of other things. So, for example, somebody says, uh, if I have that cup of coffee at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I don't sleep well. That may be the case. Yeah. But there could be many other factors that are not being taken into account that are actually affecting your inability to sleep, not necessarily just a little bit of caffeine at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, including torture. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's a technique Mm -hmm. in torture and in brainwashing to deprive you of sleep to the point where you start to break down psychically and become open to the new ideas and suggestions mm-hmm. sort of thing. Well, you will actually die if you can... Yeah, that's right. right. If you don't get you, enough sleep, you, you can't die. don't get enough die. sleep, you'll actually die. That's right. What's the record? 11 days? You 11 saying? days is the record. Uh, Set in the mid-60s? Yeah, Randy Gardner in 1964. Was it 10, 11 it days? 11 days. 11 days. My friend and I actually published a magazine back in the mid to late 80s called Dreamweaver Magazine. And our topic was to talk about sleep and dreams. And we had sleep researchers presenting articles. We had uh, kind of surrealistic drawings. Well, which reminds me, the surrealist movement was all about dreams and getting your work from your dream life onto the page. The imagery that was being concocted in your brain was actually put on a canvas. As as close as possible to the way it appeared in the dream. Think about Salvador Dali, De Chirico, and these surrealist painters. So we did this magazine where we talked about all this stuff, and we did dream analysis. So you'd give me a dream. Give me a dream, and I'll do a quick analysis. Teetering on the edge of a cliff. Okay, um, uh, good. And uh, looking over and feeling that you're about to fall. Yeah. A dream analyst might say you're at a point in your life where there are some critical questions that are unanswered and your uncertainty about them translates into this place where you're teetering on an edge. Mm -hmm. So you need to consider those questions and try to come to some resolution about them. And that's what the dream is telling you. It kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's analysis. It's kind of uh, indirect, etc. It's not so scientific per se. But um, kind of makes sense to me that a person who's happy, happy happy-go-lucky and feeling easy about their life makes sense that they're less likely to have nightmares or to have teetering dreams of a cliff right yeah again from a logic perspective 
not yeah. being scientific. It would make sense. So the more is going on in your dreams in terms of, especially if you have a repeated mm-hmm. kind mm-hmm. of dreams. Reoccurring dreams. Yeah. People do have reoccurring they're, dreams. They're usually telling you something. And it's often about loss or mm-hmm. losing someone you love. I've had dreams, nightmares, really, where I've woken up and I've fallen into tears because of what happened in the dream. Maybe it was to my friend or my spouse or something where they were killed or, or taken away in some horrible way and, and I've woken up and it's been so real in the dream that I've emotionally I had to let it out in tears well I know I've inadvertently kicked my spouse in my dream <laughs> no but it, was, it wasn't targeting her I was kicking someone else in the dream but right. the actual physical she got in the way is that it? <laughs> <laughs> well the actual the actual physical occurrence I, mean, I certainly would never knowingly do that and I think for us guys who are relatively held in emotionally mm, in general, repressed in that way, that dreams allow us to explore our emotional life in different ways that we don't normally do. Now, on the upside, not that I'm going to get into any descriptions here, but I've had some wonderful dreams too. Yeah. Oh, there's another thing we should quickly talk about, and that Mm. is the the state kind of in between sleeping and dreaming. There is a state called the hypnagogic state. This in-between place where you kind of feel like you're asleep, but you're feeling like you're awake. You're not quite there. It's like purgatory? like purgatory. Strange things can happen, like, and it's happened to me too, you can have out-of-body experiences in the hypnagogic state where you start to feel your body rising off the bed, but you're still in, in the bed, but you're rising off the bed, but you're still in the bed, and it's the strangest feeling of being two places at once. Mm-hmm. I've had that numerous times in my life. Very powerful experiences, if you've ever had it. Wow. Well, speaking about powerful experiences, I remember having dreams where I desperately wanted to wake up. Yeah, or you're trying to shout, but you can't shout. You're mm-hmm. kind of paralyzed. That's the hypnagogic place. That's the hypnagogic state you're in. It's not quite sleep. It's not quite awake. Mm-hmm. And you, you're trying to get out of it in a way. Right. It's very frightening. It can be very frightening, that place, actually, for a lot of if people. It's not frightening, certainly frustrating. Yeah, yeah. So the long and the short is we need our sleep. Is that the three stooges? <laughs> yeah, that's how they sleep. Well, <laughs> was that before Mo pulled out Larry's hair? <laughs> The Sill Podcast, Perspectives on Art and Technology, is a Connecting Dots Media production. Available at thesillpodcast.com.